the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Where are you going to go? That's what the president of the Cincinnati Reds asked Reds fans today on their flagship radio station. Now, before I go on here, I should mention that this is something that used to be known as bad radio programming. For me to be talking about baseball today when the Pirates are playing their home opener as we speak, and you can hear it on the radio or watch it on TV, but I think things have changed a lot, and there are a lot of people out there who used to be baseball fans who might be listening to me right now just because they don't want to listen to Pirates baseball. Anyway, I'm here to talk to you if that's where you're coming from, and we'll do more of that in our segment after the break coming up. But the Reds president was responding to fans who were upset about the Reds cutting payroll. Sound familiar? The Reds are playing in a nice riverfront ballpark, just like PNC Park. And stupid, corrupt politicians stole the taxpayers' money to pay for that ballpark, just like PNC Park. So this is another one of those sports stories that goes beyond sports. So this guy, the Reds president, Castellini, he said, quote, Well, where are you going to go? Let's start there. Sell the team to whom? What would you do with this team to have it be more profitable, to make more money and compete more in the current economic system? It would be to pick it up and move it to somewhere else. Talking about moving the team. That's, of course, because somewhere there's another city with corrupt, stupid politicians who would build them a nice ballpark if they became available. And that's why the Reds are just like the Pirates. And Reds fans are in the same situation as Pirates fans. If you don't like the product, don't buy it. Don't give the owner your money. More importantly, don't give the industry your money, the industry being uh, Major League Baseball. Well, when we come back, we'll show you, with the help of a writer from the Washington Post, why you shouldn't expect Bob Nutting to spend another 40 to $50 million on his team and why, if you were in the same situation, you'd put the money in the bank, too. And in our second half hour, just to show you how anything goes on this show, we're going to have someone here to tell you why Obamacare still stinks. Stick around. Non-attorney spokesperson and sponsored by Open Jar Concepts. Attention veterans and active duty military. If you were issued earplugs between 2002 and 2016 and were diagnosed with hearing loss or ringing in the ears, you may be entitled to compensation. The manufacturer of these military earplugs recently paid $9.1 million to resolve claims that their earplugs were defective, potentially exposing service members to damaging sound levels that could have resulted in hearing loss or tinnitus. If you or a loved one were issued earplugs and were diagnosed with tinnitus or hearing loss, don't wait. You fought for this country, and our attorneys want to fight for you. Call 800-889-7814 now for a free legal consultation and to see if you may be eligible to file a claim. Time restrictions may apply, and you pay nothing unless there's a recovery in your favor. So call 800-889-7814 now. Again, 800-889-7814. That's 800-889-7814. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. 
Enjoy. Dr. Gorka here, and I want to talk to you for a minute about 100% drug-free Relief Factor. I've been taking Relief Factor for years now to help me deal with pain in my body. My wife takes it as well. The reason we tell everyone uh, we know about it is simple. We found it really works to help our bodies fight off the inflammation that causes aches and pains. Whether it's the pain of injuries you've sustained or just the natural pains from the mileage over the years, Relief Factor can help. I've never looked back. Almost 70% of the more than half a million people who have tried Relief Factor end up ordering more. That's because it works for them the way it works for me. Isn't it time for you to get out of pain? Your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. That's relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. Feel the difference. Let me ask you, what does your perfect wedding day look like? I'll bet you've imagined it over and over again. The crisp spring air, the fresh grass giving way beneath you as you walk towards your future, surrounded by the people you love the most. So what's in the way of you believing it's possible for you to have it? Are you believing the lie that you are meant to be alone? Or maybe you don't know what a Christian romance should look like or where to find it. Hi, I'm Jackie Dorman, and I invite you to join me in my free Married in 12 Months Challenge, where you will discover your heart's desire of a loving marriage. In this challenge, I'll teach you why now's your time to find love, what are the lies that are holding you back, why God wants you married, the biblical law of attraction, and the tools to become a bride. Don't wait any longer. Just sign up for my free Married in 12 Months 5-Day Challenge at lovestories.com and you can start your journey to find that lasting loving relationship now. Join me at lovestories.com. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, if you're listening to me right now, you obviously don't care too much about the Pirates and their home opener. There's a lot of that going around uh, after seven winning seasons in the last 30 years. And uh, after the Post-Gazette just published a story showing that the Pirates make enough money from ticket sales and concessions to cover their payroll, fans and some in the media have been calling for the owner, uh, Bob Nutting, to spend 40 or $50 million more million for players. Uh, well, Neil uh, Greenberg covers sports for the Washington Post. He did a long and detailed story on just how non-competitive Major League Baseball has become, and he joins us now. Neil, thanks for being here. Sure, thanks for having me on. So the Pirates' uh, payroll is somewhere around $40 million right now. Uh, based on what you found, what kind of results would Bob Nutting have uh, realistically expected this year if he had increased it to, say, $90 million? Um, well, I think you would definitely see uh, see somewhat of an uptick, but um, with the way that baseball has kind of sorted themselves out, it's it's really the teams that want to spend you know 100 million, 130 million or better uh, that are really going to be the ones that that are um, in contention, um, and that's just because they're able to to um, or at least they're willing and able to spend on. Uh, you know, power hitters and sluggers as opposed to, you know, players that are, are more in the realm of contact hitters that don't have those, um, you know, stats that uh, garner big money. Uh, have small market owners, uh, because you point out in your piece that um, there are multiple teams now that, that are really low in payroll and that number has increased. Uh, have small market owners just finally decided that it's better to stink and pocket $40 million than pretend to contend uh, you know, with a seventy or eighty million dollar payroll, it certainly looks that way. You look at the um, like the top quartile of spenders in baseball, and they're outspending the bottom quartile by four to one. Um, so you're not, you know, you're not spending money in that in that bottom quartile, like you said. And um, but you still have the revenue sharing, so you're still yeah. getting the ticket receipt. You know, you're still getting the ticket revenue, the concession revenue, the media revenue. Um, and then any other revenue sharing that happens, um, so you're able to what seems like to you know to make money on a baseball team and get all the you know the tax benefits and all the cachet that that comes with it um, without really competing. And you know that's saying something with the way that baseball has tried to in, increase the number of teams that qualify for postseason play to give it the you know the the uh, at least to the eye to the eye that there are more teams at contention than there are. 
But, um, you know, let's face it, the, the teams that spend money are, are the ones that are the true contenders, um, maybe not for the playoffs at large, but certainly for a World Series title. Yeah, what's the best measurement you came up with on your piece to show the correlation between money spent and winning? And, and again, not necessarily winning championships, but winning games. Yeah, so I've looked at a bunch of things. Um, I have, I have uh, like an update, uh, or I should say like a, a, another installment coming out in the next couple of days. But um, I just looked at how much better the team was than an average team. Um, and you can see by the, the teams that are spend, spending less, they're anywhere between a run or two below an average team after adjusting for strength of schedule. Um, and the teams that obviously spend money are a run or two better. Um, and that makes a, a huge difference. You're talking about a team that, you know, is going to be above or below 500 by, by a wide margin. And, you know, unless you're in a division that has a couple of small market teams, right? I mean, we're not talking about necessarily the, the AL East, which has the, the Yankees, Boston, and Toronto, or even the, the, the NL East, which, um, you know, has the Mets now freely spending. Um, but you just, you know, it's just going to be difficult to compete. I mean, look at the West last year. I mean, you had, um, you know, two teams at 100 wins and one team at 50 wins. And if you can't get parity in, in a division, I mean, how do you expect parity to, to exist at, in, you know, in all of Major League Baseball? I, I think uh, you could safely say that Bob Nutting, at least for anybody who knows of the existence of the Pirates, and sometimes uh, those of us who have covered sports, we overestimate sometimes the interest in sports. But still, I, I think if you were to come up with uh, the most hated man in Pittsburgh right now, I think Bob Nutting would be the front runner anyway. Um, is that is it is it fair for based on just the numbers that you looked at? Is it fair for people? Uh, fans are one thing, but media also criticize him. Is it fair to criticize this guy for not just throwing forty mil- million more dollars at something just to please the media and the fans with no real chance of getting any tangible results? Well, I mean, look, it. It's his team. He can certainly operate it his way within the confines of the rules that Major League Baseball sets up. And, you know, right now, let's face it, unless you're overspending, you know, well into the luxury tax, um, you know, it's, it's, it's perfectly reasonable to, to keep your, your payroll low and reap all the other benefits that, that you get. I mean, you know, these are smart businessmen. I know they like to pretend like baseball is a losing proposition and the commissioners come out and said, oh, you're much better off investing in the stock market. Um, I, think we can all, I think we all know that that's not true, especially looking at the way that these, um, you know, these franchises have appreciated over the, the past couple of years and, you know, the type of media contracts that are given out to, to broadcast the games. Um, but I mean, it's, you know, it's also reasonable to, to look at the dichotomy that's being set up and, and there's, you know, there's, there's two ecosystems in baseball, the spenders and the non-spenders and, you know, the non-spenders without a tremendous amount of luck just can't hope to, to compete. Um, you know, and I think baseball, at least to me, uh, at the very least needs to set up some type of salary floor where every team was required to spend a certain amount of money, um, to at least, you know, to at least get a, a, an average product on the field. I mean, you know, to be able to, to spend, you know, literally almost one-tenth of what some of the other teams are spending just seems a little bit silly to me. Yeah, I, I can understand, though, uh, why Bob Nutting would not be pushing hard for a salary cap, which is the one thing that I've criticized him for. I covered sports here for 40 years, but, so I've been around a while. I actually covered the Pirates the last time in the World Series. That's how long I've been here, but... Um, uh, I, I've I've said that it's it, the fans and the media are, are unfair to him uh, for criticizing him for not. I don't like it when people spend other people's money. I guess is what I'm saying. But um, he for for the for him to throw the money at uh, this problem is it's it's not going to solve the problem. It's and and it, is it worth it to who would it? What businessman would find it a, a value in? throwing 40 million dollars out there to please me because i'm in the media criticizing him it just makes no sense well i mean i i guess you're i guess you're you you got to examine why as an owner of a franchise you're 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 in the business right if you're in the business to make money and solely to make money 
um, then it, it makes a lot of sense to keep the payroll low, as I said, and, and, and just take the subsidy. Um, you know, if, if you're looking to, to have a franchise that contends, then, you know, that takes money now. I mean, yeah. it's really the era of small ball is, is virtually gone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it becomes very difficult to get, you know, a team of, of plucky upstarts like we saw perhaps maybe we at the Kansas City Royals a couple of years ago and, and what was it, 2015, um, that can truly contend anymore. I mean, you know, baseball now is really um, – you know, centered around the three true outcomes of the strikeout, walk, and home yeah, run. Yeah. And, um, you know, it becomes expensive to, to try to contend with those because those are the, you know, strikeouts and home runs especially are the are the big-ticket items in terms of, you know, when you're looking to, to add someone to your payroll. Um, but I think with the Pirates especially, I mean, you know, they're not in a particularly difficult division with the Brewers, Cardinals, Reds, and Cubs. I mean, those aren't like freewheeling spending clubs that – you know, are going to put out, um, you know, $200, $300 million yeah. payrolls out there. So I think, you know, the Pirates in particular, um, you know, I, I don't think it would take, a, a, you know, a disproportionate amount of payroll to, to be competitive. But, you know, again, I mean, you, you know, you, you're talking about being competitive in the division versus being competitive in the playoffs versus being competitive for a World Series title. I mean, those are three very distinct things that, um, you know, payroll drives quite a bit. And, um, yeah. you know, I can, you know, so unless you're really committed and, and you're, and you're looking to, you know, win a title and, and bring that sort of prestige to the area. Um, yeah, I mean, I get it. I get why you don't spend money, but I think that, um, you know, with the, with the way baseball set up, um, you know, the, I don't know. It just seems a little bit weird to me that you're you're just pocketing the money. And I'm not saying just the Pittsburgh Pirates and, and yeah. themselves. I mean, there's a lot of teams that do this. You know, just to kind of subsidize yourself off of the teams that are spending money just doesn't seem like a a, a business model that everyone's going to be happy with long term. Yeah, I um, I've been saying for a while, and I I actually wrote a column or two about it where I, I, when people are comparing payrolls, this was back when there were when the haves and have-nots were a little closer than they are now. Uh, and I would, I would look, the way I would break it down would be look at the payroll within the division, because you gotta win your division. And if you do that, anything can happen in the postseason. Uh, right. and so if you're, if you are Minnesota and you're in the, what is it, the Central Division, um, and the White Sox decide that, I don't know, for a long time there, they had a payroll that was not very high, and Minnesota, uh, which is not a huge market, but it had the highest payroll in that division. And and it kept winning. And if you if you look around, it's amazing how often the top two payroll teams in each division are finishing one and two or two and one in in the uh, yeah. in the division. And that's a very similar discussion um, I had here with someone about the local team in in D.C., the Washington Nationals. Um, you know, how do they? You know, what what's their future plan now? Um, you know, they're they're in a division with the Phillies and Braves and the New York Mets. The New York Mets who are now going to be among the, the biggest spenders in Major League Baseball, um, you either have to, like you said, you either have to match them pretty close dollar for dollar, you know, $200 million payroll in order to compete, or, you know, you, you don't really have too many other options. What are you going to do, be a, um, you know, be a farm system for other teams that you're going to, you know, you're going to cultivate these players that become good and just keep dealing them for picks? I mean, you know, the, the fan base doesn't really enjoy that all that much so yeah i mean it's a very difficult situation to be in um that's why i think that baseball itself needs to step in and and figure out a way to 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 bring more parity because optically maybe there is parity with more teams making the playoffs but you know again you just it just takes a simple look at who's spending what and you can very quickly see that um you know there's no parity in that regard and I, I just the two minutes before we began talking here, uh, I saw and I don't even know where I saw it. You may run into this when you're working on installments for your piece. And we're talking to Neil Greenberg of the Washington Post. You should check out uh, his uh, analysis of all this at WashingtonPost.com. Uh, I don't even know the Reds owner's name anymore. I forget it's an Italian name. I just saw it like five minutes ago. Uh, he went on the I believe it was the Reds flagship station today. And uh, came right back at the fans who were complaining about them cutting their payroll. He said, what would you rather see us do? Would you like us to move? He said, we could move out of Cincinnati. I could find another city that's better than Cincinnati where I could I could raise my payroll and win, but I can't do it here. He's coming right out and saying it. 
I just saw it a little while ago. Yeah, I saw the same thing. Um, and, and <laughs> you know, I appreciate the, the honesty of it, and, and, and that might be true. Um, but, again, I mean, I, I find it difficult. Um, I don't know. I, w- without knowing exactly what the financial situations are of these teams, you know, I find it very difficult for, for anyone to make those type of, uh, you know, to, to, to comment on that because, again, like we don't know – um, we don't know how much they are making or aren't making. I think, you know, again, to say that, you know, you're better off investing in the stock market, I, I, I don't believe for a second. No. Um, but it might be true. It might, it, you know, it very well may be true that in Cincinnati, there is a, a breaking point where if you spend over a certain amount of money, you start to lose money as a franchise. And, and I get that. Yeah. Um, but optically, you know, this is the situation that we're dealing with now. And, um, you know, I think it's unfortunate that the owner has to really come out and say, um, either support our team or be quiet or yeah. I'll move. Like, yeah. Yeah. like that's not, you know, that's not how you cultivate a fan base. Nope. I mean, you, you cultivate a fan by, base by winning first and foremost, but also for making it pleasurable to, to go to the stadium in lieu of winning, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other things that you can do. Um, to at least make the experience good. Yeah. Prices low, family nights, like those type of things. But, you know, to almost have an antagonistic type of relationship with fans, no matter what market you're in, um, almost never works. Analytics are a big thing in baseball now. Uh, GMs are obsessed with trends, probabilities when it comes to player performance, you know, in-game strategy. Should anybody be surprised that they've taken the same approach on the business side? You know, they're looking at it saying, listen, I, I can win... Uh, 79 games with a $75 million payroll, and I can win 69 games with a $40 million payroll. Yeah, I mean, that's that's certainly part of the calculus, and I'll even go one better. You know, the, the Moneyball era got completely taken over by the big market teams. Like, they, they, they learn what makes ball clubs more efficient, and now they spend money on that. So, like, not even that can be, you know, that not even that is a is an edge for for a smaller market team like the Oakland Athletics were. Um, they just highlighted an, an inefficiency, and then the big market teams just bid more for those inefficiencies to make their clubs better. Um, so you're going to get that too, right? I mean, if you if a team, you know, just for whatever reason, if a team figured out that, you know, players with a last name starting with an M perform better and they were, you know, less costly, well, it, would, it wouldn't be too quick, too soon before, you know, the, the big market teams were just paying those players more to, to get them. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that's all part of it. And But that's baseball, right? I mean, baseball is forever changing. I mean, you know, we don't have a – pitchers don't hit anymore. I mean, that that's a change, too, that you have to, yep. um, you, you know, mitigate and overcome. So, you know, with expansion, adding more teams, pitching rotations, the 10-day disabledness versus the 15 disabledness, I mean, you know, these are all changes in Major League Baseball that clubs are forced to reckon with every day. Um, so, you know, there's going to be other stuff. And right now I think, you know, payroll is, is one of those reckoning items. Hey, Neil, I appreciate you coming on. I'm out of time. Um, and I, everybody should check out your uh, piece, your, your install, your uh, series on this at WashingtonPost.com. Uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. That's, Enjoy the rest of your week. Okay, that, you too. That's Neil Greenberg, and we'll be right back. SRN News, I'm Greg Clugston in Washington. Smoke, gunfire, and panic in New York City's subway system this morning. Shortly before 8.30, a gunman in a gas mask filled a train with smoke and opened fire. Laura Cavanaugh is the city's acting fire department commissioner. We have 16 total patients. Ten of them are suffering from gunshot wounds, and five of them are in critical but stable condition at this time. This 15-year-old high school freshman was on the train when the shooting happened. I'm definitely shook because I see this stuff on the news all the time, but I've never actually experienced it. And, like, even though I didn't see what have happened, I'm still scared because it was, like, a few feet away from me what happened. Police are still searching for the shooter who remains on the loose in New York City. 
Inflation failed to slow down in March. It's on its fastest pace in 41 years. This is SRN News. I'm about to compare a pepper shaker to a cash-out refinance. Hang with me. You know when you're at a restaurant and they ask, would you like some fresh ground pepper? And then they crank that giant tube, but almost nothing comes out? For me, only a certain amount of time is socially acceptable to wait. I know that getting that pepper out might make my life better, but it just seems too impossible. And that's what we hear people say about the cash-out refinance. People realize that the value of their home has gone up like hot pepper the last few years, leaving all this extra money sitting inside their home. But is it too hard to get out? It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage. If you're interested in cashing out the extra pepper in your home, we're good at doing all the work while you just sit back and relax. And often, your mortgage payment and years in the loan will stay the same. If you'd like to hear about your options, we are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Metal Park Road, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to Animalist Consumer Access. Or corporate Animalist number 1330. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. Sometimes it seems like America has gone upside down. Sometimes it seems like everybody's lost their mind. Everything we believe in has now become wrong. And what the other side believes in is getting the best of us. Hey, when you start to feel that way, just remember, you're here listening for a reason. You're here because you know the truth, and so do others like you. It's through that knowledge that you learn how to fight this culture war. We have to fight it. We have to win it. AM 1250, The Answer. Balance of nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule. Changing the world one life at a time. This product is life-changing, and I tell everyone what a blessing down to nature. Fruits and vegetables is it's amazing. Absolutely phenomenal. I'm telling you right now, this is an amazing day. 30 days after taking this, everything is, is perfect. I could not be more happy. What a blessing. So good job, down to nature. Good job. Get a wide variety of all your daily recommended servings of whole fruits and vegetables without having to leave your home. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 800-246-8751. That's 800-246-8751. Or by going to balanceofnature.com and make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code balance. Hi, Rhett Rasmussen of besthotgrill.com. Step up your grilling game with our Solaire Portable Infrared Grills. Our Compact Everywhere is a favorite of RVers and trailer pullers. Solaire Infrared provides the quick sear for bar marks and texture needed to properly finish sous vide. Use a portable alongside your larger conventional grill to create an instant sear zone and more juicy and flavorful food. Learn more at besthotgrill.com. Affordable, powerful, portable infrared grills at besthotgrill.com. Um, AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Inbound on the Parkway North, it's a very slow go. Reedsdale Street on into town and across town Boulevard also looking really busy. On Parkway East, outbound trip from Boulevard of the Allies up to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel, altogether close to a 10-minute delay. Just as busy inbound 2nd Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Parkway West inbound, some slow going between Green Tree and the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Delay of under 5 minutes, though. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer, Weather. Mainly cloudy skies for tonight. It'll be mild with a low of 57. Some sunshine tomorrow, giving way to clouds. It'll be warm with a passing shower in the morning, then becoming breezy with a thunderstorm, the high 74. Tomorrow night, considerable clouds and mild with a low of 60. Thursday, a touch of morning rain. Otherwise, it'll be breezy with clouds giving way to some sunshine. We'll reach a high of 61. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, I don't know about you, but I wasn't invited to the Obamacare party at the White House last week. Uh, Barack showed up, uh, spent a lot of time ignoring Joe. Maybe you saw some of that video, but uh, Democrats everywhere were celebrating the 12th anniversary of the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare. Dr. Joel Zinberg of City Journal is an associate uh, clinical professor of surgery at Mount Sinai School of Medicine in New York. I'm guessing he wasn't invited either, but if he had been, he would have been a party pooper. Joel joins us now. Joel, thanks for being here. Uh, pleasure. So 
It's been 12 years. Uh, hard to believe, but it has been. Did everybody who wanted to keep their plan keep their plan? Nope. Not everyone who wanted to keep their plan kept their plan. People who wanted to keep their doctor couldn't keep their doctor. Uh, those were just two of the promises that were unkept. Uh, in addition, uh, far fewer people gained insurance than were promised, and most of the folks who gained insurance gained it by getting Medicaid, which provides small and uncertain benefits. Uh, the premiums didn't go down. They doubled in the past year on the indi- in the past ten years on the individual market. Uh, uh, healthcare spending didn't decrease. In fact, it increased in the period after uh, Obamacare was passed. And, and perhaps most importantly, there was no improvement in health care outcomes. That's a big one. Um, it was supposed to be a rescue plan for people who were out there dying in the streets because they didn't have health insurance. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that didn't happen. I mean, first of all, it wasn't happening in the first place, but it, it was a problem that didn't need to be fixed, correct? Right. I mean, there were really the, the whole... Uh, so-called problem of people with pre-existing conditions and people unable to obtain care was greatly exaggerated. Uh, there were a lot of people who were getting care even though they didn't have insurance, so that all that happened is when they gained insurance under Obamacare, providers got paid for uh, giving care that they probably would have given for nothing anyway. Uh, and as I mentioned before, the folks who gained insurance got it through Medicaid. And, and Medicaid, unfortunately, pays such low rates, uh, way below the market and, and even way below what Medicare pays, uh, that a lot of providers are uninterested in, in participating. So you know, people who have Medicaid insurance have a lot of trouble accessing care, a lot of trouble finding specialty care. And even, even the people on the, uh, the, you know, the other prong of Obamacare, which was all these exchanges, which ultimately really didn't do much despite all the hoopla to increase coverage, they don't have such an easy time getting care. There are about half the counties in the country only have one or two plans on their exchanges to choose from. So who was... Uh, covered by Medicaid before Obamacare 12 years ago, and who is now covered by it? So Obama, uh, excuse me, Medicaid was primarily a program to cover the poor and uh, children and uh, single-parent families, uh, and it got transformed by the Medicaid expansion within Obamacare, so it now covered... uh, folks with who didn't have to meet those really low income requirements the income requirements were raised and it was available then for any adult who needed it and met the income requirements and what's happened actually in the pandemic is there was some of the legislation in the pandemic increased that medicaid coverage still more so you've had a surge in coverage uh the subsidies that go to the states have increased the income eligibility has increased. So what's happened is you've got a lot more people signing up. And as many would have predicted, you've now got a lot more people who aren't really eligible who are uh, coming onto the program. The national improper payment rate doubled in the last, uh, two, uh, excuse me, tripled during the last two years to 22%. So it's estimated that when now, the public health emergency ends and this expansion in Medicaid for, for the pandemic ends. You may lose as many as 14 million people who will be adjudged to be ineligible for continuing Medicaid coverage. We heard uh, lots of numbers back when uh, Barack Obama was pushing this and the Democrats were pushing it uh, about people, uninsured people. Um, but the the... the uh, assumption was made, or the the uh, I guess the, the the insinuation was that these people who were uninsured, if they got sick, there was no way for anybody to take care of them, and that was never true, was it? No, I mean the, we have, as I said, there was a lot of charity care being provided. Uh, there was a, there's a statute that requires anyone who comes to an emergency room to be uh, assessed and treated. Uh, people would be gain Medicaid coverage when they went to a hospital and didn't have insurance coverage and they began to receive treatment. And if they 
met the income qualifications. The hospitals were, you know, very adept at getting people onboarded into Medicaid. So, you know, people were not receipt, not having as much difficulty as the Obama administration uh, was saying they were going to have. But what you now have substituted is Medicaid, and you required all of these individual private plans to have a very comprehensive minimum benefits package so that people are being forced to buy uh, more insurance than they ever wanted or needed, and they're being restricted from buying you know, less comprehensive plans that may better suit their needs. And um, uh, what about emergency rooms? Have the emergency rooms become any less crowded now that these people have insurance? Nope, not at all. In fact, if anything, uh, you know, it was noted initially that uh, emergency room visits went up. Now, when you subsidize something, uh, people use more of it. So what we found is that people began to use more health care services in general including emergency room visits. And so, in other words, it wasn't the situation as uh, Obamacare advocates promised that suddenly everyone would have a primary care doctor, uh, they'd get better coverage, they wouldn't progress to emergency conditions, they wouldn't have to go to emergency rooms. That just didn't happen. And uh, I think they predicted 25 million reduction in uninsured. And how, how many, what, was, what was the actual number? Well, it's varied over time, but it was, it's never really been more, except for maybe these last two years with some of these uh, pandemic-associated you know, uh, incentives. They've increased even more the subsidies on the exchanges. But generally, before the pandemic, it was in the range of 15 to 16 million more people covered, but primarily covered through Medicaid. Yeah, and so uh, to get to the nub of this thing here, we're talking to Dr. Joel Zinberg of City Journal. He's also assistant uh, clinic, associate clinical professor of surgery at Mount Sinai School of Medicine. Um, so what we're saying here is that more people are quote unquote insured, but that doesn't necessarily mean that those people who are now quote unquote insured who weren't before are really getting that much more access to or getting much better a treatment than they were before all this. That's right. And, you know, then the, the record on improvement in health outcomes is mixed at best. I mean, and it, it shows that any benefit uh, that they've gotten from this improved insurance coverage or expanded insurance coverage is, uh, is little or none. And who has benefited from Obamacare? Real well, look, benefit. People who people who gain insurance do benefit in the sense that they uh, they have an improved self of well being and fu- uh, improved financial well being. They're protected from financial catastrophes that come with you know uh, in a serious illness. There's a decrease in the number of unpaid bills and bankruptcies. That's fine. That's why we ha- we are encourage people to get insurance, both for health care and for lots of other things, but. You know, the Obamacare was not sold on that score. Obamacare was sold on on the premise that it was going to improve health care. Yeah, I, I've never quite understood the um, the pre-existing condition thing. Um, if that that someone should be able to that that it should people should be entitled to have insurance after they discover that they're sick instead of getting insurance beforehand, as if that it kind of defeats the whole purpose of insurance, doesn't it? Well, look, the idea here, they were trying, they oversold this problem of people having uh, the ability to get insurance coverage in the first place. Uh, and then what they did was require that the insurers accept everyone, and they uh, they set their premiums by what's called community ratings so that everyone would have to pay the same with very small adjustments for your age. But, you know, if someone was much sicker than someone else, the insurer was not allowed to charge them anymore. Or, you know, the the age adjustments were actually pretty uh, uh, slim. So at the end of the day, the idea was they wanted the young and the healthy to join up pay higher premiums than they really should and subsidize the old and the unhealthy. And the young and the healthy refused to do it, which is why so many fewer people signed up than they had predicted. 
Yeah, and, and I've always been a big fan of high deductibles, and there seems to be uh, the the people who like Obamacare and the people who like government health care, they don't like the concept of high deductible, which makes a lot of sense to me. Not, well, look, I mean, you know, the, the if you listen to the remarks that President Obama made at that event, uh, he talked about planting a flag and as if this was just the first stop on the way to complete government takeover of health care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he's what he and, and I guess the Biden administration won't do is they won't stop until they've gotten everyone uh, covered by a government health plan. And if you take that to its extreme, the Bernie Sanders, you know, single payer plan, he, that plan outlaws any kind of private insurance. So you're not going to have a choice of, of, what you want, you're going to be told what you have to buy through the, from the government, or what you have to be happy with at any rate. And this was something that they, in the beginning, uh, when they first started pushing this idea, they dismissed the possibility that it, that it would eventually become single-payer and total government health care. And then now, they're, now they're not shy about it, are they? Well, let's put it this way. It's, it's uh, at the time, they knew even some Democrats wouldn't go that far. So they they uh, they got what they could get. And, of course, as Nancy Pelosi said at the time, most of them had no idea what they were signing, voting for anyway. Uh, but now they are, that we're 12 years on, I think they feel pretty confident that Obamacare, the, the Affordable Care Act, is here to stay. Uh, and now they're less shy about, you know, taking what they see as the inevitable next step. Now, this is kind of off the subject, but, you know, during the uh, during the COVID hysteria, um, Canada was just so far, uh, they were just in, in outer space. They were just so insane. Uh, the restrictions and the paranoia and everything that was going on up there, the punishing people. I, I had multiple horror stories from people up there on this show. And I always, I always have the suspicion. I just like to get your take on this, being a doctor uh, and knowing how this stuff works. How much of of what Canada, what what seemed to be panic from the Canadian government, do you think was based on their knowledge that if there was any kind of a, an uptick in hospitalizations, that there was no way they were going to be able to to handle it? Look, a lot of countries panicked. A lot of counties and cities in this country panicked. Uh, but, you know, the good, you know, we, and part of it was there was a lot of, you know, unknown. There were a lot of unknowns at the outset. No one knew how serious it would be, uh, how many people get sick, how, how many hospitals would be taken up or overwhelmed, how many people would die. Uh, but it came pretty clear, at, you know, early on that it was not going to be as bad as people anticipated. Many of the uh, measures that were taken to uh, limit hospital, you know, being overwhelmed. For example, I'm in New York City. Uh, we had the Javits Convention Center open up as a medical facility. We had a, a U.S. Navy hospital ship sail into New York Harbor. Those extra precautionary beds were largely unused. And, you know, thankfully, very few places came, were at full capacity or beyond full capacity. I mean, people saw what happened in Italy where the hospitals were overwhelmed, but in the United States, most places have not had that experience because in, in part because we're better equipped. And if you're talking about Canada, Canada is notorious for having a relatively you know, undersupplied healthcare system, which is why so many Canadians cross the border and seek medical care in the United States. Yeah, I have property up there, and I've talked about it here a lot on the show, and especially I did. That's why I had some uh, access to the horror stories up there. Um, I mean, it, it, you have to wait six, nine months for, a, for to get an MRI. So I'm just thinking of the, the health, uh, the government officials up there in charge of their health care. When they were looking at this, uh, I just it just strikes me and I don't have any facts to back this up but it just seems pretty obvious to me that they looked at this and said we can't we can't do this we have people waiting 6 months for an MRI we we can't have 
we just can't have our hospitals overrun with COVID patients. So they did everything they could to just keep people in their homes, not let them come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, there's no, no question some areas were uh, more heavily locked down than others. And there's really also no question that the lockdowns are largely ineffective in terms of improving health. You know, there's a big study uh, just out now by my former colleague. I uh, worked for two years at the Council of Economic Advisors in Washington, and I had the privilege of working with the University of Chicago economist Casey Mulligan, and he's just published a study comparing all 50 states. Uh, And they showed that you do not have better outcomes uh, if you lock down, the outcomes were no better and sometimes even worse, but it was all done at the tremendous economic cost and cost in terms of lost education. So, you know, it was a tremendous overreaction, uh, and it was done without considering the total cost of the lockdowns, which wasn't just any presumed health benefits, but it was economic losses and losses to education. So, you know, Places like Canada or places in this country that pursued heavy-duty lockdowns didn't benefit their populations. They, by and large, hurt their populations. We're talking to Joel uh, Zinberg. Of, uh, he's, he had a, has a piece up at City Journal, but he's an associate clinical professor of surgery at Mount Sinai, in, in New, at Mount Sinai School of Medicine in New York. Just finishing up here, uh, Joel, where do you see... Now that they're celebrating Obamacare, are you, are you in fear that, uh, you know, 12 years from now we're going to be celebrating single payer because the, the, it gets pushed through? Look, I, I don't think so. And, of course, a lot depends on elections and who, who comes into office. But I can tell you I and, and others are working on alternatives that emphasize choice and competition and improve innovation to bring down health care costs. Uh, and, and improve health care. And so, for example, I'm, I am the uh, Director of Public Health and American Well-Being at the Paragon Health Institute. We're looking into what are the determinants of health. Uh, I also am a senior fellow at the Competitive Enterprise Institute where we're looking at what are the free market solutions and, and to how do you rein in government over-regulation. So, you know, the, there are people out there who are looking for alternatives and alternatives uh, involving the market, which, you know, emphasize people's ability to make their own choices. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, I think that that's a much better alternative to certainly single payer and, and to Obamacare. Well, Dr. Joel Zinberg, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, straightening us out here on this whole Obamacare thing, and I hope it disappears in the the next 12 years, but we'll see where we are in uh, 2034. Thanks for coming on. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay, that's Dr. Joel Zinberg, and we will be right back. When it's time to replace your roof, siding, gutters, and downspouts, entry doors, and, of course, windows, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwall. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for all your exterior home projects. Why pay double with some other companies? Windows R Us will always give you the best price on the best in-class products, backed by the best warranties in the industry, all with zero sales pressure. And speaking of zero... Right now, get zero interest financing for 12 months and no processing fee with prices set to increase on all exterior products. Lock in your quote today. Schedule a free estimate and inspection today at windowsarustpittsburgh.com. You've tried the rest, now try the best. windowsarustpittsburgh.com. This view was worth a hike. Right? And it's a good way to stay on top of my health. Yes, I'm Cologuard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. Have you screened for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. It's more treatable when caught in early stages. Tell me more. Cologuard is non-invasive and it's used at home. 
It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages. This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive result should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Cologuard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay zero dollars. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you. Or visit Cologuard.com. I'm in. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, every once in a while... Excuse me. Every once in a while, I uh, I find myself walking through my house and I I'm exposed to Good Morning America because my wife puts it on the TV every now and then. She puts on Channel Four, ABC. So today I happen to be exposed to uh, this person. He, he he was, and you're allowed to call him he. Apparently, uh, he was wearing a dress and he had a full, thick beard, shoulder length hair. Nice dress, uh, sleeveless, uh, very pretty dress he had on. And I forget the woman's name who, who was doing the interview. She's their perky entertainment inter- interview person. She couldn't have been more excited and thrilled and just honored to have this person on as a guest. She referred to him as, a, as an activist, an innovator. And the guy was sitting there with a full-length beard, long hair, and a dress, okay? This is where we are. And I was just trying to think, what's the company that owns ABC again? I'm pretty sure it's Disney. I'll talk to you tomorrow. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.